Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We're kicking it into gear again with another set of our power rankings. Today, we're heading over to the four hole. We're heading to second base. I'm kind of excited. This is a bit of a trickier position. A little bit top heavy, a little bit bottom heavy, and a couple guys that could be filtering in and out of the top 10. Doing good. Um, this was a very difficult list to make, um, for me at least. Stebs, how about you? I literally still don't know if I like my top 10 or not. I will be up and down on all of these players. I could see all of these players outside of maybe the top three moving up and down uh, the entire year in my head, at least. Like From four and below, I could literally see any of them jumping up. I think you can make a fair argument for... I think at like at least five of these guys to be number five. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yep. So do you guys want to kick it off with the same format we've done so far, where we kind of just talk through any honorable mentions we have, or you just want to go straight into the top 10? Let's talk about honorable I, mentions. Yeah, I think we all mentions. have a bunch of honorable mentions. All right. Tom and I are just going to get this argument out of the way. Okay, let's so do it. I'm ready. I said that Max Muncy, if he had a declared position, he would be a top 10 second baseman. Um, but obviously he's going to kind of serve as a utility role this year with Chris Taylor getting time at second base, Miguel Vargas getting time at third base. Obviously he's kind of blocked at first base by the best first baseman of baseball, Freddie Freeman. Go listen to that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. Um, Tom, why are you a Max Muncy hater? Okay, okay. Well, first of all, he's on the Dodgers, but that's that's besides the point. That's I'm besides- actually – there's more reasons to just that. Um, he gets a lot of those average – um statistics like batting average like sorry not batting average definitely not batting average uh average exit velocity average barrel rates and hard hit percentage of course they're going to be high because when he makes contact the ball usually goes far the problem is he doesn't hit the ball that often i mean we we ignore the batting average stat but batting under 200 is is pathetic and that's like that's just like inexcusable and i know this guy is like the embodiment of a stat cat nerds like wet dream um but it's just not enough, I don't think. And he's horrible in the field. Talk about a fall off. Went from the ninety third percentile in twenty twenty one to that argue. There's an there's an issue there though. Is that he had positional consistency in twenty twenty one? Yes, I, and let me get to that. I said that that's because he has no value on any space of the field other than first base. He, his his defensive value, all of his outs above average, come from the first base position. I was checking. I think he's gotten one total career outs above average at second base and like negative ten the other seasons. He's not that good at second. I think you're looking at a at a guy that you'd probably be relying on his bat more often than his fielding. Um, and he's below average in the speed department. That's another that's another tool that's that's off. And according to OPS Plus, Max Muncy has been a below average hitter in two out of the last three seasons. So you got a below average hitter and yeah, a below you, average fielder. You counted 2020 that much into his sample, and his 2018, 19, and 21 were all fantastic. I I don't know. He just right now. He, the only tool he has is hitting, and when you when you're not producing on the hitting side, and you can't field or have any speed, it, you you get a below average player. I I think his ability to walk is the thing that will keep him in this game, and I think if he can make an adjustment at the plate and start to try and hit for more contact instead of those big barrel ones, he will see a great change in his game. And I think this is what he needs. I think he has the potential to jump back up, but his approach right now, the way he's approaching, um, you know, with a like a hit it out mentality. He's hitting the ball very hard. It's just not working. I, I think 
I think all of his value as a player comes in the fact that he gets on base and that he can walk at an, at an elite level. That's, You're only that's looking at his 2022. Well, that's kind Let's of what clarify. matters. Not completely. When you have not, a not guy, entirely, no. When he his issue with 2022 was a first of all he stopped swinging like he started swinging first pitch more often than he ever has, which is way out of character. He was getting. Like he was swinging less at meatballs, which is what you kind of need to do. So like these are like easy, fixable mechanical things. This isn't like a big glaring red flag anywhere. This is a guy who in 2021 was 10th place MVP finisher and MVP finisher. Like you still look at everything under the hood and it's still a very good season besides expected batting average, which is to be expected from a Max Muncy type. And you say that he doesn't make contact when he's still in uh, in his bad season, the 40th percentile for whiff rate. He doesn't chase ever. Like, well, yeah. Then what? What's the reason? I mean, obviously, batting average, horrible statistic. Never use batting average, but below 200 is just that's pretty bad. I mean, that's that's something that's like inexcusably. Um, like you can you can ignore a lot of batting average statistics, but his even his expected batting average was in like the first percentile for being bad. Yeah, I um, think. His issue, though, was, like, he would get hurt, like, miss a couple games, start to get going, miss a couple games. He still played 136 games, but he can never get the momentum going, it felt like. I, I think he can he can definitely revert back to, like, that power hitter, like, his 2021 season. I just – I don't know if it's if it's a complete player that I can even put at second base just because all of his value comes on the offensive side. You know, I see him more as a DH in the future. Um, because you can't you can't put him at first base over Freddie Freeman. Not you at all. can't put him at second over Chris Taylor because he's a much better defender. It's just a matter of whether he'll be playing in the outfield. So his real value comes at the DH position, and I just don't consider that it's like a well rounded DH second. either. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't know. I don't see where his because you got to have that all around value to be in the top ten, you know. But his main value comes in hitting, which he is pretty elite at when he's hot. Um, and he's probably the best. Uh, he probably has the best vision, not vision. Uh, vision like discipline. Is it vision or discipline? Vision inherently implies discipline. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he, he's definitely got the discipline at the plate. It's just a matter of whether he can fix his approach and kind of get better at hitting. Um, like, it's, it's an approach thing. You can tell. You just talked about it. So, I think if he can fix that, he'll be in the top 10. But right now, I can't put him there. Stavs, who is an honorable mention of yours? Um, so, I had th- I had three honorable mentions. One of the guys that we were talking about beforehand was was Brendan Rodgers. I think we all can see a lot of upside for this guy. Um, he definitely has top 10 second baseman upside, but it's just last season wasn't his strongest outing overall. Um, I really liked what I saw because Brad's been teaching me the ways of baseball savant, and I really liked what I saw from him in terms of percentiles. Um but what what did you guys think about him? I think that he's a guy that has very high upside. Um, he was slightly above average in terms of Wova, a little bit better with X Wova. He won the Gold Glove at second base in the National League this year. His ex, his average exit velocity was actually phenomenal. It was ninety uh ninety average uh, miles per hour, which puts him seventy uh, sixth in MLB. So I think there's a lot of upside there. We kind of got to see it translate to some better numbers. Uh, 325 on base percentage isn't the most appealing. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of slugging percentage, but a 408 slug in Colorado is not the most impressive thing either. Yeah, I think I think um, Brendan Rodgers is a guy that's been getting better. Um, definitely took the next step uh, last season, but I think he still has a lot more room to go. Um, 
he did not walk in 2021. I think that's a good thing that he's gotten slightly better. He's still below average, but he did not. He refused to walk in 2021. And now you can see a little bit more plate vision. Uh, he's striking out less and also walking more. Um, it's just a matter of whether that power can translate to actual numbers. I think he's a guy that could end up in the top 10 at the end of the year. I, I think 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he's just waiting to break out. Stabs, who else? Um, I had two more. One of these guys I really wanted to put into the top 10, but I just couldn't find a way to, and it was Jorge Polanco. I really like him. Um, I like him on the Twins. Brad Brad questions. Tom questions. Um, no, I no, really, I like that one. I you like that? He's my 10. He is at 10. I, 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 exactly. Yeah. I, I love Jorge. I, again, I like the Twins. I like the Twins this year. I just don't think they're going to be able to put it together as a team to make the playoffs and then my last guy was Santiago Espino um I just don't think he's gonna I really like him but I don't know how he's gonna play especially because he'll probably end up splitting time with Whit Merrifield yeah, yeah I, I, think I like the all issue with him is he's listed as a bench bat right now yeah and I'm not sure you can start him over Whit Merrifield yeah um Brad do you have anyone you want to cover before I can get into mine um I had Brandon Drury of the Los Angeles Angels. I think last year was a very good season. It's just he hasn't proven it in multiple seasons. Like his career has been so up and down that you can't put him in a top 10 yet. He hasn't proven it in multiple seasons. Like his 2019, 271 Woba. 2020, 162. His ex Woba in 2021 was 257. And this year, even his ex Woba was below average. Yeah, I I had him on my list. Devs, is he on your list? Yeah, yeah. he made both of our lists. Um, not top guy, five, but he no, is not top him. five. He's not he's not top five. Uh, he's not that high for me either. Um, but Brad, a, a guy controversial. You mentioned he was on your list. Devs, I'm pretty sure he must be on your list. But Nico Horner of the Chicago Cubs. This is another guy that I think has the potential to be top ten. Like Brad talked about Brandon Jury having, but he just hasn't been good for long enough. I think he's a great player. Um, but this is going into 2023. Um, he's an excellent defender. I think second base will suit him better. His his arm strength is not the best, but his glove is amazing. He's got elite speed, but let me talk about the reasons why he didn't make the top 10, okay? Um, obviously, as a, as a slap, not a slap hitter, but a, but a contact hitter with low power, uh, his expected batting average was 11 ticks lower than his actual batting average. He refuses to walk, doesn't hit fastballs well, and he finds himself in the bottom percentiles in the vast majority of stat cast batting stats. Um, so that in that sense, I see some offensive regression coming next season um but the defense the defense and speed of nico horner is undeniably great um so i think he's right at the door so my issue with your guys saying that it hasn't been proven over multiple years which is yeah that's fair but for going which guy for either of these guys um jury, yeah. you both you both said it for for horner and jury so but like this is going into 2023 so based on what we've seen last year and again you do have to take into account former years, I, that's just how I'm formulating this, is coming off of last year, how I could see them coming into this year with the new team around them. I think that in the Brandon Jury argument, having the Angels around him doesn't necessarily bode well for him. Uh, if we kind of look at their history. That's fair, but again, I think it will bode well for them, for him at least. I think there's like the defensive flexibility. Um, I'm just trying to pull up his fielding real quick. So, he oh my God, it is difficult. Okay. Last year at second base, he had 64 opportunities. 
He had yeah. more at shortstop, third base, and first base. So this is really going to be his first full season as a second baseman. That's fair. Um, so I think there's going to be a little bit of defensive regression. I'm not saying anything too extreme. Um, I just feel like with Brendan Jury, there's so much nothing there. I well, feel let me like... talk. Let me talk about the opportunity here. So Brandon Drury came from a team which was the Reds. Yeah, a team, a team where no one needed to pitch to him, and then he left the Reds, went to the Padres, where there was a bunch of threats, didn't play as well. But now he's on the Angels, and as a pitcher, would you rather would you rather pitch the ball to Shohei or Trout or Brandon Drury? I would make someone's a, going out. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that because he only walked six point seven percent of the time last year. No, I'm saying I'm saying that's why pitchers were challenging him. Wait, La- that's that's exactly yeah. against your argument. No, in the second half, that's why his second half was bad. He he, that's where we saw the regression. I think, I think maybe his adjustment from going to a bad team to a good team might have been bad for him. And I'm kind of curious how he adjusts to playing on the Angels, a team with a mediocre team, a mediocre team. That's maybe he'll be in the middle of the two. But you did see some regression as he got traded. Obviously, that's how it happens usually. I mean, when people get traded, they don't usually play as well just because it's obviously a new new team, new environment. It's um, one half dozen or the other on that point. But but I, I think Brandon Jury on a new team, there's going to be less people to pitch around him, um, which probably means less strikeouts because um, they're going to be throwing it in the zone for him. I'm just hoping that it actually turns into something. Um, Brad's doing his – extreme uh extreme no, data, I, was just seeing what, I, I was seeing what like his drop off and walk rate was he dropped from eight percent with the reds to four percent with the padres yeah there's nothing to i think the issue with him is clearly the expected stats don't like him like yeah he even this season where he was well above average in terms of woba he was below average in terms of x woba he doesn't walk he strikes out a good amount if we're going to talk about his career stats I just don't see projectability, especially with his injury history as well. Yeah. I, I think that's that my was, hesitancy. Yeah. And I was trying to think between Nico Horner and Brandon Jury. Honestly, it came down to those two. It was 10 and 10.1. Um, very different play styles, obviously, completely different. But in terms of actual um hold on, I could take a look. Um Brandon Jury just has more um hitting potential than Nico Horner does. Um, obviously, I can change over the course of an offseason, but I think as of right now, I think I, I I think I lean a little bit towards the offensive side rather than the defensive side. For middle infield, in my opinion, I would I weigh defense a little more. Like, not a little more, but I weigh it more than other the other positions. I think the issue that we're getting to with second base, though, is it's not an offensive juggernaut of a position. It's a little bit similar to catcher. Where second base doesn't have, you have a couple of guys who had great offensive seasons last year, but when you think of second base, you kind of think of a smaller slap hitter, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think Brendan Drury is a little bit different than that profile. He is kind of a slap hitter, but not to the same amount of contact as someone else would be. Think, thinking like a Nico Horner who doesn't strike out too much. Uh, I, are you guys done with honorable mentions? I can get into my number 10. Uh, I just want to say two more guys that I just want to shout out really quick. Hashiyong Kim, obviously fantastic player. Um, yep. He had the pressure of filling Tatis' role as the everyday shortstop. Uh, he's kind of a slap hitter, but his glove is fantastic, and he's got good speed on the bases. He also doesn't strike out that often, and he actually walks a little bit more than average. So I, I think this is an all-around pretty good player. Um, 
just like knocking at the door once again on my top 10. All right. So I think we're ready to go into our top 10, uh, which I can kick it off with Nico Horner. Um, I don't think he stands about like stands out anyway above like nine or 10. I think his defense is fantastic. I, again, I, Tom points it out. I don't agree with his hit tool too much. Um, he doesn't whiff though. His, his defense is fantastic. He's quick. So if you can get, you put him in play, if you let him put the ball in play and get on base, he had 20 stolen bases last year. I think with the larger bases this year, you could see even bit a little bit more stolen base potential. Obviously we're looking in previous seasons, but this is, if you look at last season sample size, it's about 65% of his career plate appearances. And I'd honestly take a player like that. Someone who's going to have a very high potential with a glove, doesn't strike out a ton, could learn to walk a little bit more, uh, if we're going to be honest. But there's a lot of potential here, and he's still going to grow. He's six foot one, 200 pounds, and I think maybe he can come into some power. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we're all hoping that his hit tool um, starts to level up uh, as the seasons progress. I think if you get that hit tool on him, he's looking at a, a top – a top five. I mean, like, cause if you have a good defense, good glove, good speed, and then you can get that bat on top of it, obviously it's going to be a top, a top second baseman in the game. Um, I'm just not convinced that he can have that breakout of power yet. And obviously he's a very valuable player and I think he'll just continue to get better. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me if he ends in that top 10 by the end of the season. So uh, who's I, your 10th place? Okay. I, I'm just, I'm swapping these guys around. I'm going to go with Nico Horner too. I, I, again, for the same reasons I like, I like Nico Horner. He's a very, very good bat to ball type of player. Um, a, a, a stat that I've been looking at and used a lot for this was outs above average. Um, he had 13 outs above average last year, uh, and a 281 average, which are both now Stev statistics. Um, I I really like this guy. I like the Cubs, and I think he can only benefit from the moves they made this offseason. Yeah, and I think a, a guy that I talked about, you know, being able to flip-flop with Nico Horner is my number 10, which is Brandon Drury. Um, I just think this guy is valuable to the team. Um, you saw, obviously, the Padres had a run. That wasn't because of Brandon Drury, but I think I think he's still a solid player. I think he's He's above average hitter and he's an above average defender. It's just a matter of whether he can translate that to second base. Um, and if you're good in the field and you're good um, hitting, you that's that's an above average player. I think that's enough to make my top ten. I th- I I have my argument against Brandon Jury. I think there's just not enough of like a. I think there's a different argument between a rookie and Brandon Jury, where Brandon Jury there's a, a large sample size of him not being good, and being injured versus like a rookie where you have a sample size of them being good and Nico Horner. Yeah, I I mean there are there's such thing as late bloomers. I mean there's a chance that this guy very well just had his best season and then never does it again. But there's also a chance that this is kind of him it clicking with him and he's just good for the rest of his career. And we've seen this happen before. Obviously there's some late bloomers. I can't tell if he's one yet. Uh, it's too soon. But I I I like I'm on the hype train for this guy. So I'm, I just I'm, I worry about those expected numbers. Like I really do. Like him coming back down to earth. Yeah, I'm curious how the 2023 season. This is a guy I'll be watching for sure. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Stebs, who did you have coming in at number nine? Number nine, I had Brandon Jury. I like him slightly more than the than Nico Horner, and I think the Angels hopefully will not let us down yet again. Um, again, these are, these are all guys that I feel are pretty interchangeable, um, as we've all said. 
But again, there's not there's not much to say on him that hasn't been said. Tom, what about you? For my number nine, it's game time. Jorge Polanco will now be officially a second baseman uh, with Correa back in town. Uh, had a down year last season, dealt with some injuries, but still a top bat at second base position. In that 2021 season, two years ago, he had 33 home runs and 35 doubles with a 125 OPS plus, which is elite for second baseman. Obviously, we expect him to be little slap hitters. Um, even in a down year last season, he finished with a 117 OPS plus. Uh, Brad, this is a Brad stat. He was in the 91st percentile and expected Woba last season. Um, and he's actually developed a fantastic eye at the plate. He went from the 25th percentile in 2021 to the 98th percentile in walk rate. Um, obviously, the fielding is something to be desired, but the bat is still on top of the game, and I think he's going to have a bounce back with a healthy season. I, I like the pick. I, I like Jorge Polanco, and it was really hard for me to leave him out. So I'm not sure you could leave him out and put Brendan Jury in. That's just me. I, I, I again, I'm, I'm, I'm swapping these guys a thousand times in my head, and I, I still don't have my mind made up. So you can, if you want to throw Jorge Polanco, and when we do the consensus, I would 100% be okay with that over Brandon Jury. So I mean, I just, I like this guy. I like Jorge Polanco. He's just never been a fielder. He's kind of like a not a one-dimensional player, but like his, his strength is hitting. Uh, that's what he's going to do. He's kind of like the Xander Bogarts of second base now. Hmm. Just a guy who always continues to mash doubles and home runs. I, I, I like him. Brad, what do you think about that? So I, my nine and eight, I, I'm in the Stebs position right now. I keep flopping them. Right now I have Cattell Marte as my number nine and Jorge Polanco as my number eight. I think the defense is both a wash. They both suck at defense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like in all seriousness, they're both horrible at defense. Um, so you can't really incorporate that at all. If I'm looking solely at 2022, Jorge Polanco had a lot better of a season. And it just kind of looks like, I think Cattell Marte has a higher ceiling, but Jorge Polanco just plays more consistently. And I really, I kind of value that a little bit more. I kind of value him playing on a consistent level just over multiple seasons. And obviously there's the injury risk. I think being able to play at a consistent position this coming season, as uh, Stevs pointed out, Carlos Correa, and so I got to take Polanco over Marte, and that puts Marte at nine, who's also a great bat. He's got he's always very high in the league and uh, max exit velocity. He launches the ball a good amount. He's a statistician's dream. Like, he doesn't strike out too high. He walks at a respectable rate. He's a little bit above league average in terms of walks pretty consistently. It's just I feel like there was a little bit of a fall off uh, in a larger sample size, and that kind of hurt him. Yeah, um, I mean, me and Brad appear to be in the same situation here with uh, Cattell Marte and Jorge Polanco being in that flip-flop position. Um, but I ended up putting him at my eight spot. Um, I think he's an interesting guy to look at because I honestly, I honestly, looking back before I had actually looked at his statistics, I thought that 2019 was the only good year this guy's ever had. But honestly, in his last two seasons, which have been completely injury-plagued, he has a 162-game average of 19 home runs, 51 doubles, uh, and an OPS at, OPS plus at 122. And obviously, that's not being on the field all the time. But when he's on the field, that averages out pretty well. And that's 227 games sample size, right, we're talking about. Um, in his last full season, he finished fourth in MVP voting. That was obviously in 2019. I'm just not sure what steps he has to take to get on the field and stay on the field. But I think this guy not only has one of the highest ceilings at second base, but also in baseball. I think his ceiling is very high. 
I'd almost say this is a full season though. 137 games, 558 plate appearances. That's a that's a pretty full season nowadays. I would agree I, I, with that, but yeah, I, just similar similar to your Max Muncie take, like he was he he was usually getting on these roles and then getting injured and then coming back. It wasn't like a long injury that that kept him out. It was kind of just these lingering ones. So I think that if you get a whole season, a lot of the game's mental too. I mean, if you can get into a, a swing of things, a role, I think Cattell Marte is in that conversation for being one of the best. Yeah, because I think after the twenty after the twenty nineteen season, I think you could argue that Cattell Marte was probably top three in second base of baseball. It wasn't that a really weak point of second base though, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think the renaissance came in 2020, 2021. That was just a bunch of new guys coming up. Stubbs, who was your number eight? I had Ozzy Albies. Um, I really like Ozzy Albies. I'm always I've always been high on him. But he was just injury plagued last season, and I really kind of I wanted I wished he was healthy more. Tom, what? What do you mean injury play? He broke his ankle. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, but he, he just, was hurt. I know. That's one not... injury. He's, he's plagued, plagued by, by the broken ankle. Yeah, yes, he's plagued by injury. But dude, this guy's played 162 games like 18 times in his career. Like he just he's very consistently on the field. He's not a guy that I'd be worried about for injuries. I just want to say that. I just want to put that out there. I mean, okay, I'm I'm not saying I will. I am either. But coming into this season after after last, I, I just I think I I need I want I want more from him going into the season, and that leads me into my number eight, which is Cattell Marte. These guys are pretty interchangeable again in my eyes because they were both hurt last year and and one broken ankle, the other just little pokes and needle injuries. But I think. I just I want them to be better and I don't know how how they're going to perform so I don't know really where to put them. So wait, did you say they were both number 8? No, I had Albie's 8, Marte 7. Sorry. Oh, okay, you said Marte. Okay. Okay, sorry, yeah. I was a little confused. Again, there. these the uh, I am having second base is is going to be the death of me. I am having such a hard time placing all of these guys. Uh all of these guys are are equal in my head and i mean Cattell Marte is is a player that you should expect to do good and i think he will perform better assuming he's on the field and can perform well because the team around him has gotten a lot better his outs above average is less than less than good he is a negative three outs above average um Ozzy Albies was at a four last season before he in the 64 games he did play um i do think he needs to switch to one side he can't really hit well from both sides of the plate but i i think i think i'm okay with having Marte Marte at seven and albies at eight brad who did you have at seven i'm curious because this is where i got into a fork in the road i really struggle with this one i also had ozzy albies um because again i think we always talked about how at one point he was the best second baseman in baseball but that was kind of like the those inflated <laughs> 2019 numbers right like his 2021 was respectable. It was good. But in terms of like WRC plus, he's always kind of just like just under 10% above average besides that 2019 outlier season where he was 116. Like he doesn't really stand out in any way in like any extreme way. His defense has obviously improved a ton. Uh, Steps pointed out that he was very good in his small sample size last year before he got injured. It's just like, A, he's got to prove that he's healthy after the injury. He's that got that against him, and there's just not a wow factor if that kind of makes sense. 
Yeah, I'll get into them when I get to them. But uh, my number seven is a controversial one, and I I think this is going to age horribly, which is why I'm kind of questioning it. But mine was Brandon Lau. I think coming back from a from a, a down year, I think he's bound to do decent, especially in a shortened year. Um, but I just don't know how he's going to bounce back from it. Um, I just I don't know about this guy. I, he did how many games did he play last year? Let me let me check. Sixty five. Yeah, this, he played I mean, about 60, the same as same as Albies. Yeah, I mean, so in a sixty-five game sample, he was uh pretty abysmal. But I, I mean, you can't really really rate him on that. Um, I, I like w- w- was did he deal with an injury like while he was on the field too? Did he, did he play while he was injured or did I don't really know that much season? about his season to be honest? But I had him at number six, just a like con- continuation of him. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Like. He led all second baseman. Obviously, he didn't qualify in barrel percentage. Um, again, small sample size. Take that with a grain of salt. Uh, his expected WOBA outperformed his regular WOBA. He was slightly above average. Take that again with a grain of salt. Uh, defense isn't as good as Albies, but I just see his bat has a much higher upside than Ozzy Albies. Like, you look at just 2018, 19, 20, and 21. He's a fantastic hitter. Like, I feel like he's a guy that comes up to the plate, especially on a raised team that lacks stars, and he kind of feels like the impact bat when he's healthy. Yeah, I think the only reason I said uh, I said otherwise was because you look at those those numbers, I mean, like the 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 not cumulative numbers, like WRC plus, slugging OPS, you know, all the ones, they're all high, but the most games this guy's played in his career is 149 games, which was last year. And that year was fantastic. But before keep in mind before that. He played 82 games and 56 games, obviously shortened COVID year, and then the rookie season, and then 149. That that was one real full season we saw from Brandon Lau. So I was like, this guy has cemented himself as a top second baseman, one of the best hitters in all of baseball, one of the best hitting second baseman in baseball. But I, I want to see a full season from him, and I and just judging by how he only managed to play 65 games last year after not playing really a full season in his whole career, other than 2021. I'm not really sure if he's going to be able to stay on the field. Are you, is that a concern for you guys? Not as much. It's an, but you can make the same argument for Albies, right? Like 2020, they had enough at bats. 2021, they were pretty healthy. And then 22, they were both injured. And in that, Brandon Lau was so much better. I mean, so when Brandon, when uh, Albies came up, he obviously had his rookie campaign. And then he, went, he played 158 games, 160 games, 2020. Than 156 games. Okay, so this but is a guy that was you yelled at me yesterday for saying I yep. was bringing up 2018 stats for Max Muncy, so I'm doing it here. No 2018 no, Ozzy Albi stats. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just saying he's a guy that's always seems to be on the field, uh, other than when he, he broke his ankle. Um, but yeah, I. So, are, are you you just with your number six, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, my number six is Ozzy Albies, and I, I would like to talk about them. I don't think StatCap's numbers do this guy justice. He seems to always succeed in the season. He's been a top second baseman since he came up. Um, and I, I just want to talk about his 162-game averages because in his career, he usually plays 162 games. He has 40 doubles, 26 home runs, 177 hits, and an OPS plus of 107. That's only 7% above average hitting. But you also take into account he's a good fielder, consistently finishing in the top percentile and outs above average. He's gotten a lot better. Um, on top of that, he's also a speed threat. This is another guy that can be in that 30-30 club. Uh, I don't know how the injury is going to impact him in that sense, but I, I don't know how you can dislike a switch-hitting second baseman 
with some of the best tools in baseball. There's a reason this guy had the hype. I mean, a lot of people regard him as the best second baseman. And I'm like, that's weird. That's stupid. But he deserves to be in that conversation for like top five, top four. And I think if he comes back as strong as he left, I think he's going to be top three. I just, I think he needs to drop one side of hitting. I agree. I think he yeah, needs to and focus. Yeah, and what side is that? Which side is he stronger? I'm pulling it up right now. From... Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. I think he's stronger from the right side than the left. As right versus left, I would like more than just batting average. Um, hello, where are we going? We are gonna go with. Sorry, give me one moment, please. You're good. Uh, I want to talk about Brandon Brandon Lau for a second. I do not have him on my top ten. Um, I don't like. I don't like. Him. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 second baseman this season. And that's a hot take for me. Both of you just But you're not just, you're going into the season. Going into the season, I do not think he will be. But you're just not predicting what he's going to be. I don't going into the season. I don't think he is. And I don't why think why do you not have respect for him? He hit he hit 39 home runs. He hit balls pretty far. And he's short he too, which is crazy. He I, really has pop for a short second baseman. Brett says what 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 is your thing against him? Is there an outlying stat? There's no outlining stat. It's just the 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 sample size I saw from him the, in the last season. His he was injury his injury, and I I do think the injury is going to hurt him. But I it's yeah. just it's just I think he deserved at least an honorable something. mention. I I agree with that, but again, I'm just been this episode has me frazzled. I'm gonna be honest. How is he not better than Brandon Drury, Nico Horner? I love Brandon Drury, so it's, but still, how is he not better than them? This episode is the death of me, Bradley. Did I don't you put think you understand how you good he is. I, I I probably don't. I I just ba- but based on Steph's statistics, it's he's not anything special to me. And will I eat my words? Most likely, but as of right now, I don't. I just I don't see him being a top. If Steph, if Brandon Lau hits thirty five home runs, will you hit? Will you get a uh, Brandon Lau jersey? Uh, if Brandon Lau hits 35 home runs, I will get a Brandon Lau jersey. I like that. I like that. Brandon Lau uh, hater I, becomes Brandon I, Lau fan, again, baby. You could have Brandon Lau in your top 10, and I will not argue with you. I'm so frazzled this episode. I don't – I literally don't. <laughs> top five is the only thing I'm certain of. Well, you um, want to no, get into I, it? I think we're well, all going to get six. through my six. six. Paper six. Torres. I think I think no, Brad. I think Glaber Torres deserves. Brad is an, Brad's gone. Brad's gone. I think Glaber Torres deserves an honorable mention. Okay, at the very I'm gonna most. be honest. I had Glaber Torres at ten, and he yes. has been slowly making his way up my list because I just genuinely do not know where to put any of these guys. I'm gonna but be Glaber honest. Torres above Ozzy Albies is a crime against humanity. Glaber Torres above Brandon Lau's a crime against humanity. Glaber Torres is probably the thirteenth best shortstop in base. I mean, second baseman in baseball. I think. I think he's gotten a lot better, and I think he's actually proved himself and I think, a little bit. I think he's going to keep improving. That's my thing. I but don't. But we're not done. talking about predicting. Going into the goddamn season, Brad. <laughs> then why is When why wasn't Rushman one? That is the argument, right? Going into this season, I think he will make the improvements necessary to be a top ten second baseman. What um. So, do you think he's um? Let's see. He's projected he's... to do better by FanGraphs, which I, isn't I, saying I, a lot. I just, I don't know. 
As, this... I, I don't know if he's been on the field. I have to, I have to check this. I, I'm going to check this out real quick. One moment. I'm going to take a look at um, Glaber's. I'm going to, I'm going to compare him side by side to some of the other guys just to, I think Glaber Torres is a fine hitter. Um, I mean, he, he's up there in exit velocity, hits the ball hard, uh, hard hit percentage up there. Slugging's up there. Um, he just refuses to walk, has a high K rate, um, not fast on the bases. His glove has at the beginning of his career was absolutely horrendous. I remember that. Well, let me go. Let me go He's check his out. Better at it though. He was in the first percentile in outs above average in 2019. <laughs> so he has gotten a little bit better. That's zero there's, now. Yeah, he's he's gotten a little bit better. Um, but his walk rate is down. His strikeout rate is also down. But he's not walking as much. I just he's kind of a weird case. He could be good this season. I just don't know if he's going to actually make the improvements. Which is actually kind of ironic because every year since 2018, his expected boba has gone down just a little bit every single season. It's so it kind of looks like he kind of started hitting four seams slash sinkers last year. He can't hit off speed at all. Um, I I don't see Glaber Torres as a top 10 second baseman. Um, I he's not better. Then Nico Horner, not better than Gatel Marte, not better than Jorge Polanco, not better than Ozzy Albies, not better than Brandon Lowe. Like, but I will be the Bestev's defender and say that I think he deserves an honorable mention. I probably should have put him on my honorable mentions, but he is just not top 10. Um, but that does bring us into what are we at? Number five now? Yes. This should be universal. Uh, Brad, I think, I think, are you, are you guys all in agreement here? This should be Luis Arias, right? I am right there with you, yes. Okay, I can lose right at five. I can put my heartache away. We're gonna pretend the top five or bottom five didn't happen for it's Stevs. a new day, Stevs. It's a new Stevs. half of the episode. Yeah. Luis Arias, Arias is a is now that he's playing for the Marlins is a second baseman. He was in our first baseman list that, that was recorded before the trade. Now Luis Arias is a top five second baseman for Tom and I. He's number five AL batting champ. He's on a not as good Marlin team, so I can't really put him higher than five, in my opinion. Um, when he played at uh, at second base last year, his outs above average was one. Um, so I mean, again, th- there's not anything to dislike about Luis Arias. So the thing about Luis Arias to me, and Brad, I'm I'm very concerned for who you have at five instead of Luis Arias, but I, we'll get into that in a minute. I think this guy has some of the most elite plate vision, the most elite approach to the plate and he's been doing this his whole career he has not slowed down at all every season he's finishing in the in the top um top and uh batting average you know on base percentage um he doesn't strike out he doesn't he's a little bit above average and walks but he really does not hit the ball hard he's he's the slap hitter um and it, i think four through one four through one you can argue are all the most complete second baseman in baseball but Luis Arias is a one-trick pony, and that is getting hits. I just don't see any other value beyond that. If he can, if he can somehow improve his glove or maybe get fast somehow, he would be in the top four. But the, the top four is reserved for four players that I think have at least four tools. Um, Brad, who is your number five? Marcus Semien. No! no, I can't. Agree with that. I cannot agree with that. I think I that, that there's a huge regression issue with him. Like there was a huge regression last year. You talk about his fault, like a fall off from fall from grace that happened from 2021 to 2022. 
and the peripherals kind of match it too. Uh, he kind of went into the whole slappy second baseman profile. If we're going to be honest, he kind of did fit that profile last year. And it's true. Like you can look at everything on here. He has a 336 expected Woba in 21 and a 306 in 22. His home runs, he didn't he take like three months to hit his first home run? Isn't that a And thing? that is exactly, I know. Yeah, right. he let, only let explain, had a bad explain. couple months. That's the yeah, thing. Th- those, but, the, the thing is, those couple months are the things that are weighing down. Like, you look at the cumulative stats, which are obviously not as good to look at, but those stat cast numbers are all being weighed down by the absolutely, but we will admit, horrendous first three months. But, but that, it's the still, end of the season, like, he's end of not the season, better he, than Luis Arise. That is the end he of the season. He is 100% better than Luis Arise. He's not, I, though. I, I think like, that was okay, well, he, I'm going to use the stats argument. Going took... forward, no, 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 wait a second. Going wait, wait. forward, Luis Arise is a contact hitter, and that will play well in Miami, which is a bigger ballpark. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how the fact Luis Arise is an okay defender at second base, small sample size, 97 attempts. But that was still almost as much as he had at first base, and he had one one out above average at both of them. Marcus Semien was a very good fielder, but he's an aging veteran who's on a team where he's going to be pitched. Like he is one of the guys that is going to be attacked because if he's not succeeding, the Rangers aren't succeeding. Luis Arise is a contact hitter who doesn't strike out. There's already a fail safe there. There is no fail safe with Marcus Semien. And we have I just seen that wait. he can I want to wait a little bit. I want to wait a little bit because I have a lot of arguments for Marcus Semien. I put him very high. I'm very high on Marcus Semien. Um, so I, I'll, I'll wait to go into my stuff, but my if Marcus number- Semyon is not barreling the ball. Marcus Semyon does not do well. And that happened. And I think it is going to continue to happen, especially with the I increased just, production of the Mariners, the Angels and the Astros. I, I think if you if you level out, if you completely get rid of his first three months, which, by the way, happened, but you, you can't you can't like just get rid of it. But if you look at the pace he was on after that three month span. He is still the same Marcus Simeon he was when he signed with the Rangers. He was still very good, and like, I, I feel like you can't you can't put someone down all, their whole season down just because of three bad months. I mean, um, yes, you can. I mean, obviously, because you can. It's yeah, yeah, you can. yeah, that, that, that's how it works. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It also wasn't three months. It was like it was like one month. It was it was, one it was his month. first two months. He was abysmal. To and say then the August and September, he was bad. Um, or not September. Sorry, I was looking at one specific game in September. Uh, September was good. August was bad, and then July and June were solid. But that's three out of six. Like, that's April's bad, May is bad, and July is bad. Yeah. All right, well, I will go into my number four now, um, which is Andres Jimenez. Um, I think he's just – I think he's 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 getting to the level of completeness. Uh, obviously, when, you're, when you have a slap hit, like a slap hit mentality like that, you're going to see some stats that show some regression. Um, just a guy, he puts the ball in play. But last year, he was one of the most elite batters, had one of the best gloves. Uh, did he win the gold glove? Mm-hmm. I think he did. I'm, I'm fairly certain. AL second base gold glove. Uh, hello, Bleacher Report. No, I just want to open your article. I am on the same page as Tom. I had him at four while Brad's looking that up. I, yeah. I, there's nothing that screams crazy about this guy, but he's just an all-around very good player. And he's got speed on the bases, too. I think this and is a guy – I mean, he managed to finish average. with – yeah, he's elite on the bases, elite in the field, hits for average, hit almost 20 home runs last year. Um, And talk about Woba, top 9% in Woba last season. Um, His strikeout numbers are actually a little bit high. He doesn't walk too often, but I, I see that improving with age. A lot of these young batters have – little discipline at the plate 
Um, Brad, who are you on for number four? Uh, for number four, I have Luisa Rise. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, again, very good contact hitter. Even, like, again, Marcus Simeon, uh, his ex-Woba for a slap hitter was the same as Marcus's, Marcus Simeon's 2021 when he was this home run juggernaut. Um, and he, his war was lower because that's kind of all he is right now. But again, he had to play all around the field last year. He had no defensive consistency. This year, we know he's going to be the second baseman. He's going to have the opportunity to to develop, to develop at that position. He walks more than he strikes out. And in all honesty, he's a slap hitter that's proven that he's not going to strike out. And I feel like that has a lot of value when you do that consistently over multiple seasons. Yeah. Um, Seth, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I, I think he, he makes fair points. I can't really argue with him. I mean, I think Luis Rice falling fifth or fourth makes sense. I mean, it just does. Um, in my number three spot, I had Jeff McNeil. Um, I think arguably the best glove in the National League. I think he got the award stolen from him by Brendan Rodgers. Jeff McNeil is so much better in the field. Um, finished higher in outs above average than all the other candidates, including the winner, which I just mentioned. Uh, national, not not just National League and American League, the, the Major League batting champ. Uh, led second baseman's in hits, OPS plus at 140. He had He has had one bad season in his career. He has had one down year, and that was, I think it was last year? or maybe the year before, he had one bad season. He's been consistently on top of the game, and not only that, but his glove's been getting better, and he's now able to play a lot of positions. It's not just second base. He, he's kind of turning into a utility man while also producing on the offensive side. Um, I think he's one of the most valuable players in all of baseball. Steves, who'd you have at number three? I had Marcus Semyon. Um, I'm going to guess Tom had Semyon at two, but I'm going to let him speak on that later. Um, he had a down season. We talked about that. It was a rough two, two and a half months for him. Um, but he batted 248 with a 107 WRC+. Plus. It's not really anything to – I mean, it's not good, but it's not bad. Uh, and eight out of, outs above average. Um, and his, his, his team got a lot better, especially from the pitching side. So that can really only help him, I think. Um, and I think he'll he'll have a bounce back here for the doubters like like Brad. I'm not a doubter. Yeah, Brad's, Brad's doubting Marcus him. Simeon doubter. I, I, Marcus Semyon's <laughs> a different story. So my okay. number three was Andres Jimenez. I I think we uh, we have the same order or at least like a similar order. It's just I have Marcus Semyon much lower than you guys. It's Andres Jimenez looked like the looked the real deal last year. He fit into that Cleveland team. Uh, his sprint speed was high. His defense was high. Under the hood didn't look great, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, and that's kind of that kind of shows in his 38 point regression between Woba and X Woba. Uh, doesn't his strikeout's not too bad. It's kind of right there in the middle. Uh, but the walk needs to come along. I think that's going to help when he sees more pitches. I mean, he saw two thirds of his career pitches last season. And in all honesty, I'm looking at his shift metrics just to see if there is a big drop off. Uh, with he was actually better with no shift. So it kind of looks like he's going to be a lot better next year in terms of Wobo with where the positions or where players are playing their positions. His defense is solid. He can hit off-speed pitches, which is something really impressive, especially a changeup as a left-handed hitter. You know, right-handers love to feast their changeups on left-handers, and he was able to go to the opposite field with them pretty frequently. He's okay at hitting fastballs, fastball sinker, cutter, two, two, three run values respectively. I think that there's just a lot to be here. And again, if we're talking about floors, I feel like his is very high. Yeah, I think he's a reliable bat. Um, I'm just a little bit worried about that regression like you talked about. 
Um, I'm obviously rooting for him to replicate the season. I don't know if he'll be able to do it, but if he does, he'll be proving me wrong. And I think that if he can replicate the season, he's definitely still in the top five. I think he'll stay in that spot. I think right now he's still on a bit of a high from having such a good season. I think we're all rating him pretty high. Um, I think he has to do even better for him to stay in the top five um, next year. But bringing us into number two, Brad, Marcus Simeon. Th- this guy literally broke the all-time second base home run record in 2021. I-, I-, I guess that's not an argument, but he's finished top three in MVP voting twice in the last four seasons. He's upgraded his glove in the field, now in the 95th percentile and outs above average. He won the gold glove in 2021 and was a finalist last season. He's got some of the best speed at the second base position. Uh, and you power that with the home run threat and the defense. This is a complete player. He's always going to be a home run threat. I know the statistics don't say so, but if we look at the statistics on this guy, we can actually see that – oh, where did I go with them? One moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mark Simeon. His – his expected Woba was still low in the season last year when he hit uh, how many home runs? The record. He had a 60 expected Woba, 60th percentile. That's not that good. So you're looking at a guy who is kind of defying all of these advanced metrics and somehow still performing. And at the end of the day, you don't really care about these metrics. You care about the numbers they produce. And this guy, year in and year out, seems to produce those numbers. Um, I don't know how he's doing it, but even in a down year last year, still hitting 26 home runs after not hitting one for the first two months, 25 stolen bases. If we see a full season, like a, a good startup from this guy, I, I can see this guy easily hitting the 30-30 mark. I mean, if you hit, if you steal 25 bases in this season, I think he'll be in that 30 base stole, thirty stolen base conversation while also being one of the best elite power threats in the game. I worry. I just, I, my big worry about him is the age. I really do worry about it, especially with like a big fall off like he had last year. I mean, you're talking about like 32 year old. I I think I think the only thing that will regress maybe is his defense. I think I think I think the first thing that goes with age is defense and speed, and you can tell he has some room to give on that now because uh, he's upgraded to both. He's got he's got I think he's gotten faster as a career. Maybe he's just gotten a little more aggressive on the bases, but he is a guy with all the tools you need. It's just a matter of whether age will get to him sooner rather than later. I I think I'm really high on him. I think I I will admit this is a high ranking for him. But I like his ceiling, and I, I honestly like his tools the best. This is like, you know, an MLB the show, like the anomaly. He's got speed and power. I don't know how he manages to do it with such bad under-the-hood stats. And I'm not saying they're bad, but they're they're not the ones you would expect. Um, but I, I like Marcus Simeon at my number two spot. If not, it would be a number three. I think that's the lowest I can put him. He's got a very high ceiling. I, I agree with the high ceiling. I worry a lot about just regression with him. I'm very – I think that – Excuse me. Uh, what we saw last year is going to be very similar to what we see this year, which again was a 4.2 war season. Like that has its value. It's just, I feel like in terms of putting him above Luis Arise and put in terms of putting him above Jeff McNeil, Andres Jimenez, I feel like it falls just a little bit short, especially when Luis yeah. Arise's contact tool has such a good fail safe. And not to discredit Marcus Semien, who's in like the mid 70s for a strikeout rate, chase rate, and whiff rate. It's just if there's not much outside of home runs, there's not much offense there. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I just I, I think when we're looking at these guys, you got Jeff McNeil, who at the beginning of his career, everyone was like, this guy's just a contact bat, just a slap hitter. Now he's showing some signs of slugging and now showing signs of speed and defense. So he's looking more like a complete player. I think the only player I could argue above Marcus Simeon is Jeff McNeil. I think Andres Jimenez, given a few more seasons to prove it. 
um, would be in that position. Um, but like all these other players are like these one dimensional, like focused on one statistic, like um, Luis Arias is a contact hitter. That's all he'll ever be. That's really good for a player. It's really useful to a team, but he's not, he doesn't have that dimension to him. He's not fast on the bases. Doesn't have a good glove. Um, so I think at a positional ranking, I think I can put him at like a five or a four, but I don't see him going up because the players have tools like this. Like, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, you did say that you could, the only person you could see above him was Jeff McNeil, and I have Jeff oh, McNeil no, no, no. as number number two. How could you do this? Okay, I, I, that's actually yeah. So you talk about a slap hitter, right? Like Luis Rise was in the 49th percentile for average exit velocity. Jeff McNeil's in the 12th. Like this guy slaps the ball around the field, so obviously his expected stat or his at least his expected like power stats in terms of like X woba is going to be worse than his actual woba. So I'm not as concerned when looking at his than I would be a Marcus Simeon, right? He doesn't strike out much. His walk rate could use a little bit of work. It's been very consistent: six point two, six point eight, six point eight, uh, nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-two. Uh, doesn't barrel the ball much, but he doesn't strike out really at all. He really doesn't strike out. And when he swings outside of the zone, he makes fa fairly decent contact. When he swings outside of the zone, trying to pull it, sorry. Um, he, he makes contact with the ball, which is something you really need when you're a contact hitter. And especially with someone who's going to have the shift going away, maybe there is an ounce of regression there. But still, a Wobo that was goes from 397 to 356 has a room to be in about the third, like in the 360, which is very, very good for a slap second baseman who plays great defense, should have won the gold glove, as you point out, doesn't whiff, and is quick. Eh, mid-quick. But like career 828 OPS, can't argue with it. Yeah, I mean, OPS, I like OPS. That's the stat I really started at. You know, OPS is a good indicator of how good a player is. And that honestly says how much they can, you know, hit for power too, honestly. And Jeff McNeil is not just like a low power guy anymore. I think he's hitting, well, obviously doubles are credited for more in the OPS than some other stats, but like, I, I think his, him hitting doubles makes him a more valuable player. Yeah. But you look at it, he's put up 38 doubles in 2019, 14 doubles in 2020, the shortened season, 2021, that was his rough season, supposedly. And 2022, 39 doubles. Like that's a really good, I guess, power slugging percentage season for someone of his archetype for sure and so who'd you have number two uh, i had jeff mcneil i mean so yesterday uh aiden gave us his little quick list that he does um because he always does those his, his are just kind of off of off of names but i was like how do you have jeff mcneil over uh, uh x x guy and then i looked at his stats and i was like that's not surprising at all jeff mcneil is a very good all-around player and honestly a player that I think a lot of kind of just casual fans are, are underestimating. I mean, a 326 average is nothing to really, like they, like Brad and Tom talk about how that's not a good metric, but again, for, for casual fans, that is the metric that we use. And a three, 326 average is, is very, very good. And an eight outs above average is also very good defensively. So I I don't know how you could have a guy like Marcus Semien when he did have such a bad season above a guy like Jeff McNeil. Um, Would and you? then I'll lead, I'll lead us straight into number one. I think it's consensus across the board, even though it hurts Brad's soul. Jose Altuve. Jose I Altuve. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, Jose uh, Altuve is an 
amazing player. His defense is regressing, but his offense is somehow getting or is still on par to what it was in his cheating 2017 uh, year. Um, but again, he batted 300 with a 164 WRC plus, uh, 921 OPS, 6.6 uh, WAR. Um, but he is older, so I do I could see some regression, and maybe he's not number one by the end of the season. But what do I know? I don't I know. This guy's that... just like this hurts. It hurts to say it <laughs> as I wear my Dodgers 2020 World Series champion hoodie. Um, this might be his best year. In all honesty, this might have been his best year all around. Yeah, I can agree with that. Like that's that was what I was gonna say. He's yeah. just he's just got better. I don't know. He's kind of proven the haters wrong. Like 90th percentile in XWOBA, 90th percentile in strikeout percentage. Doesn't whiff. Plays solid defense. Even though we look at those highlights from a couple seasons ago in the playoffs, uh, he's still really quick. He still walks a ton. Like I hate to say, it, but it's a complete package of a player. Top 10% of the league in XWOBA and the top 2% of the league in WOBA itself doesn't strike out. Like there is a hard argument here. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, the only thing I could say is that his expected batting average is 31 ticks lower than his actual batting average. But that's what you get in a player like Jose Altuve. And now he's actually hitting for even more power than he ever has. I mean, he must have made some sort of adjustment at some point in his career because now more than ever he's hitting home runs and he's actually slugging. You know, he's not just a slap guy anymore. Obviously, look at his exit velocity. It's in the sixth percentile. Um, so I don't know how he's hitting home runs. I don't know how he's hitting them at five foot six, 166 pounds, but that's a different question. Um, He's kind of just an anomaly for me. I don't know how you can have such a, a low exit velocity yet such a and such a low hard hit percentage yet still hits twenty eight home runs, and slug nine twenty eight. I have an OPS at nine twenty eight. I think the counter stabs regression point. We don't know how this ages because I feel like it's an easier yeah. strike zone to manage. That's fair. I, I, I can definitely agree with that. I I, I just. There, there's a time for everyone, and I just fear that the time for Altuve is coming soon. Which I mean, he's walking more than ever. Yeah, he's walking more than ever, striking yeah. out a little bit more than he used to. But that, again, there's your kind of expected with age. He was never that big of a hard hit guy, even when he was his most successful. Like, he started launching the ball a lot more this year. I think that correlated to some more doubles. But yeah, again, we talk about doubles, 39 doubles. He let himself get hit. Have... He didn't have a, he didn't have a run value in the negatives for any pitch in the, in the league. No pitches, literally all positive, which is well, all positive or zero, which splitters. were only yeah. So thirty three splitters, and there's his only negative pitch. That's just that's bizarre. He just doesn't he doesn't have a weak pitch. There's nothing you can you can throw at him that that will catch him off guard. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's so testament to that he's the best. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and that he always has been the best. I think, I, I I don't know. I'm not against the cheating scandal, but like, I I don't know if he ever did it. Do you think he ever did it? Uh, some guy, there's a podcast about it. It's called The Edge, and this guy like basically sat through with like a noise frequency detector and listened to every single home Astros game, and saw when the frequency of the trash can came up, and it happened like five to ten percent of the time for Altuve. Well, I will say, you know, you saw who the number one person was, right? You saw who the number one was? It was, was freaking it? Mar- Marwin Gonzalez, yeah. dude. He batted <laughs> like 200. And we saw like, how that's going for him. How do, you, how do you cheat and still be bad? I don't understand. But that's besides the point. I, I think Jose Altuve has proven that he doesn't need it to, to succeed. I don't 
how do you hit four opposite field home runs as someone that short? I I mean really difficult to extend the arms. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand. This guy is just an anomaly. I think he's one of the best to do it. Well, for like best short person to do it. I think he's inspiring. No, I think he's inspiring people to play the sport. And I think I think a lot of people think that these this sport's made for tall people. It's made for big athletes. But Jose Altuve is going against that. And I think he's always been a good person outside of baseball. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, you guys ready for the grand reveal? Yes, please. Yeah. All right, at number 10, we've got Nico Horner. At number nine, cool. we've got Jorge Polanco. Number okay. eight, Cattell Marte. Number seven, Ozzy Albies. Number six, Brandon Lau. Excuse me, swap those two. At number six, we have Ozzy Albies. Number seven, Brandon Lau. Um, and number five, we have Luisa Rise. Number four, we have Andres Jimenez. Number three, Marcus Semien. Number two, Jeff McNeil. And number one, Jose Altuve. I feel like it averaged out pretty well. I feel like Marcus Simeon belongs at three, but I'm just very high on him. I feel like he's going to have a good season. I feel like he's going to come out the gate reverse of how he did last season. Says what do you think? As the one who has had the worst list, I will be 100% honest with this. This My list was terrible. I'll be 100% honest. This is the correct list. This consensus is the correct list, with Brandon Drury being 10.1. That, that's that's my only caveat to that. But I, I Yeah. I think this is this is the top ten second baseman in the league, and I will do a lot better going forward. I promise. Um, I think that I'm. I accept the fact that Marcus Simeon can be very good. I'm just fighting for my opinion on it. If that he's a little bit lower than some of the people, and I'm fine if he gets third place. Like, yeah, he's a very good baseball player. It's just there's a there's more red flags than in some other batters. Yeah, and I feel like someone that we should have voted more on was um, Glaber Torres. I feel like he should have been top three. I'm just kidding. No, guys, I'm kidding. Guys, okay. that's a joke. That's a- <laughs> no, but I will say, I think I think Ozzy Albies maybe deserves the edge. Who was fifth? Was it Arias? It was uh, Arias. Fifth was Arias, yeah. Yeah, Arias. I feel like it could very well end the season with Arias being below Albies. But it honestly just depends how Albies bounces back from such a brutal injury. You know, he's never yeah, had to I, deal with that. I definitely agree with that. I mean, we could, for all we know, Cattell Marte could be the best by the end of the season. That's all true. these guys, and there's a, there's a lot of high ceilings. At the there's end a of lot the of low floors. Yeah, and obviously we will recap who the best at the end of the season was. I think that second baseman was a really difficult one to talk about because there's just so much – is a different discussion because there's a lot of different archetype of players within the second base position. Absolutely. Think... It's so hard. It's so hard to compare someone like um, Luis Arias to a guy like um, Jeff McNeil or Marcus Simeon, and then trying to compare that with a guy that also like, like Brandon Lau, like they're, they're all so different, you know? Yeah. I think second base, I'm glad we got through it. I think Stevs points out the fact that this is the list. This is the right list. And I'm I'm okay with this going into 2023. I don't think this is how it ends from 2023, but these are this is a fairly accurate depiction of like if I had to take a draft just straight on players, probably who you take going into 23 if you're not looking at like how they're gonna progress throughout the season. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We'll be back later this week with two new episodes. You're going to get yourself another ranking and another ranking. You're going to get shortstop and third base this week. If you if you want to interact with us at all, be sure to follow us on Twitter or TikTok. We also upload a couple of shorts from this to our YouTube page. All social media links will be down below in the description. If you've enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating or review. Or if you have any suggestions, please share this with a friend. We will see you all next time on the 4A Baseball Podcast. Peace.